everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all-important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. We want you to have time to go get your nails done. We want you to go have time on a Monday to just relax by a pool. Mm -hmm. We want you to have the ability to feel refreshed and rejuvenated to take on the stress of this job. Bring your best self to it. 100%. But I also can't pay you $100,000 a year to do that. I can't do it. Right. Welcome to Hustle & Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Dana. And I'm Courtney. And we are two sisters who have started multiple businesses together. And yes, it is as messy as you think. Because we know that starting a business isn't easy. I mean, we've done it four times. And on this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. And this year, we're talking with our guests about three important topics in our entrepreneurial journey, like team building, work-life balance, and how to recover from tragedy, both in business and in life. But up first is team building, because we know that as business owners, we're only as strong as our weakest link. We'll be talking about how to build, motivate, and empower your team. In our last episode, we talked with Tiffany Welton about the process of beginning her business and what she's looking for while hiring staff for her new venture. So this week, the two of us are talking about the lessons we learned from Tiffany about business and life and some of the mistakes that we've made along the way. Well, that was a fun one. I know. Yeah. She was super uh, energetic. and yeah, She was very energetic. I know. Her passion just really came through when mm-hmm. she talked about I it. I know. Which is great. And I love her story about how RBF like came about. And I, when she was telling it to me, I wasn't 100% sure in the moment if she was going to be offended by the guy saying RBF. Like you, like basically yeah. like if you would smile more. But I was glad to see that she was offended by him. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'd be so offended if someone told me that. Where is this going? <laughs> I, I was thinking that. Like, oh, she's like, oh, I must have a rushing, resting bitch face. I'm going to call it that. Yeah. But no. more about, like, just let me, like, a place to just be, be. who you are. Yeah, be who yeah. you are. And I love, love, love that. But has anyone ever told you that, that you have a resting bitch face? I don't know if anyone's ever said, like, I have a resting bitch face. I get a lot of, like, no emotional face. Mm. Like, when I'm talking to somebody mm. or, like, in the middle of a conversation, Mikhail's told me this over and over again that, like, my face very doesn't stoic. change. I'm very, I have a very stoic face. Yeah. So I think probably more of that mm. than I think resting bitch face. I do feel like I had to learn how to look happy even when I was, like, highly uncomfortable and didn't want to be there because of event planning. Mm-hmm. Like, I realized that we looked kind of grumpy at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then I was like, no, I have to look like I'm enjoying this, even when, like, my feet are on fire, and I just right. want to go home and go to bed. Or you're just tired. <laughs> or you're just tired, yeah. It's not that like you're not happy to be there. You're just tired. So it's hard to make your yeah. face look happy when you're tired. Yes. I All the time. All the time. And it's always males. It's never females that would tell me, smile, mm-hmm. smile. They wouldn't tell me I would be prettier if I smiled, but I always got the constant smile. Like, and it always infuriated me. Like, I don't want to smile. There's a reason why I'm not smiling right now. Because I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I don't know I've ever gotten so, that. Like, like, just patronizing. Like, yeah. who are you to tell me to smile? Were they smiling? Yeah. They were. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there was a certain DJ used to say it to me all the time. that drove me crazy. And I was like, mm-hmm. No, I thought that was really on. good. Mm-hmm. I love the concept of it. Like, yes. 
I like the concept of a wine bar in general. I though. do too. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of like where everyone gather and it's chill and I don't know. Yeah, I think it's the right speed in my life too. Like I don't want to go I don't want to go pound the cocktail. Yeah. I would like to have like a glass of wine and it'd be fine. Yeah. And good wine. Like and that's the thing when you go to like a regular bar and you get wine, the wine's always gross. It's not good wine. Yeah, it's true. And you're like, I just really would rather have like a decent glass of wine. Yeah. All right. right. So let's go over our takeaways. What was your overall favorite takeaway that she said? Um, My favorite thing that she said, like just in general, was that sometimes you have to, she was talking about her past job and being on an executive team and really feeling Mm -hmm. like she was being excluded from the team. And this person or people, I couldn't gather which one, weren't willing to kind of bring everybody up with them, Mm -hmm. you know, that sometimes you have to throw out the book and just... Maybe you have to build the table and yeah. the chairs. You can't just bring them up to the existing line. You kind right. of got to start from scratch and redo it all. I, I did love that. And I really loved that kind of image of that, that sometimes it is like that. Like sometimes sometimes there's not a spot for your ideas mm-hmm. or there's not a spot for like who you are. And you just have to make that way for yourself. Right. And I think it's actually a very rare quality to feel that way. What do you like, mean? Because I was talking to Sam about this the other night on a totally different topic that we're not going to get into. But – we were talking about something and it was a like a source of contention for me. Like it was a really hard thing and I was like just struggling with it, like emotionally dealing with it. And he was, and he said, he's like, that's just the way it is. I was like, but I don't accept that. Mm-hmm. Like I don't accept that that is the way it is. And that's my problem. I should accept it. Yeah. But my problem is I look at something and you're telling me like, no, you can't do this. Like, no, I'm like, well, I'm going to bootstrap my way around this. I'm going to yeah. figure out every other which way to do it. And that is how I approach my life. Like, for serious things, for not serious things, how I got, like, Taylor Swift tickets. Like, it's all the things. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to accept it, you know? But, and he's looking at me, and it's just, and I could tell that's not how he thinks of it. He's just like, okay, cool. Yeah. You know? And I think that's, for a lot of people are like that. So, it's fun talking to somebody who has that same kind of, like, mindset, you know? I'm not going to accept that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to accept I know. I just recently spoke about that with my therapist that oftentimes a lot of people's anxiety aren't around the thing that's actually causing them the anxiety, mm-hmm. but it's the acceptance of it. Yeah. Which yeah. I was like, huh, that could be Dana. This yeah. lack of acceptance of it. <laughs> yeah, because I, I just don't. I don't accept that. <laughs> I don't accept it. <laughs> what yeah. was your favorite overall? Well, I feel like that was actually one of my favorites, but you stole it, so that's fine. Um, yeah, it's fine. It's <laughs> so acceptance of you. We do that often in these things. Um, I really, really loved when she started, when she talked about how important it is to be hungry. Mm-hmm. She was talking about in terms of hiring people that are hungry, and I think there is definitely 100% truth in that. But I think it's just a really good, like, overall concept about life. Like, when you stop being hungry about mm-hmm. what you're doing, I think that's when you need to take a step back and pause and say, okay. Yeah. And that, not that it's always bad. Sometimes there's a time in life where you need to coast. Yeah. Right? But I think coasting always leads to feeling stagnant and then unhappiness. Mm-hmm. And so you can only coast for so long. But I I just think it's so important to, like, maintain, like, that hunger inside of you, whether it means you want to be better at your career mm-hmm. or you want to reach new heights in what you're doing or you just want to be a better person. And I think for a lot of times it's like I can't take on one more thing in our business. Like, yeah. I might, I'm, like, not hungry. I'm actually <laughs> full. I'm very, full. very, very full. Very full. But where I feel that hunger is I want to be a better person. Like, yeah. I want to be – I want to really work on this like very fine-tuned skill that mm-hmm. I feel is going to make my job better or me better. You know what I mean? Um, that's your particular skill you're working on right now? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's being able to speak 
more freely and not feel so confined to having to know what I have to say before I say it. And teaching's been doing that a lot for me because I'm when I'm teaching this class, I don't necessarily know everything. And I like read the, the text and I read the book and I study it and whatnot. But when I'm standing in front of them, I don't always know where yeah. the conversation is going to go. And I've been really, and it's been really neat, like taking what someone says and connecting it to something else. I never had a thought before, but then also connecting it to what we learned, mm-hmm. you know, and like feeling confident that I know what I'm talking about. Cause I feel like on the speaking world, I struggle with that a little bit yeah. of being afraid to speak freely and like that imposter syndrome, like that confidence that I, yeah. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like I half the time don't know what's going to come out of my mouth when I open it. Just comes out. That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, That's I like to go. I like that. Yeah. All right. Um, what about uh, life skill? Okay. Like life advice. Life advice. They advice like life takeaway. Yeah. So I think this one you have to take with a grain of salt to be clear about this. But I loved how she said how she talked about she really held on to her experience, even though it was a really bad experience. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not an advocate to live in trauma that you've had or really terrible things. Like, you don't need to hold on to those experiences. But I think there are certain things that happen in our life that and things we've gone through that are really hard, mm-hmm. that are really difficult. And you can look at it and say, wow, that really shaped me for the better. Yeah. It didn't, like, you know, throw me back five years or whatever. It's not putting me in perpetual therapy, but like, and holding on to that experience and, and like giving it the gratitude that it deserves, even yeah. though it was really hard, yeah. and like really shitty, but being able to look back on it and, because I think that her, that experience with her boss shaped a lot of her culture, right? Yeah. And so you think about what would RBF be mm-hmm. if she never had that? Yeah. She never understood the importance of all the things she learned, you right. know? Yeah. Kind of makes you question that. I mean, like I said in the podcast, I firmly believe that sometimes it's easy to identify what you don't want because right. you've experienced that. You're like, I sure. don't want to do that again. Right. As opposed to putting words to what it is that you do want. Right. You know, and I think that I believe that solely. I mean, wholeheartedly. Like even when we're like doing designs for somebody, when someone tells us what they don't want is equally as helpful as oh, what they do want. Sometimes it's more helpful. Sometimes it's more helpful. Yeah. You know, so I think identifying that, even though it was a negative experience and being able yeah. to hold on to that. But I thought it was just good life advice in general. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to all be bad. Like, you can take something away from even a negative experience and apply it. Yes. For sure. I like that. What about yours? I like how she was just kind of talking about, in general, like, the timing of her opening RBF. And how she's like, I couldn't have done this five years ago or two years ago. And thinking through, she said, I wouldn't have known how to use my voice or trust my gut during that time. And I think— there's so many people out there when you're talking about entrepreneurship that either feel like they've like missed the boat right. or it's too late for them. And I think that, I think it's just patently not true. Right. Like wherever you are on your life journey and when you like get that inspiration and, mm-hmm. and have all of the tools to kind of back it up is just mm-hmm. where you are. You know, like, like right. you saying our journey started when we were really young and we had no idea what we were doing, but we had a lot of do and not mm-hmm. a lot of money and knowledge. And that worked out for us, right? Because right? I mean, I have great fear and anxiety over the thought of opening up another venue because I know mm-hmm. all of the things that can go wrong. And mm-hmm. I know all of the things that go into building and running said venue, right? Right. Whereas I didn't know that before the first one. So right. it just felt like, oh, we're going to open up this house. It's going to be like just like a house that lots of people are there. And Dana and I are going to run it. And it's going to be so easy. Like, right. 
we had no idea what we were actually getting ourselves right. into. And it works to our benefit. So I think sometimes just not really, whether it's you're young or you're old or wherever in the middle, not really judging what you have or have not done, but just kind of picking yourself up where you're at. And yeah. And it's curious. So I'm always curious, like, because it reminds me of uh, the Marvel universe and how they run like different timelines. I, I don't know if you watched like the Loki series. Yes, I get very, I mean, one, I don't have the best memory. So like I, it all converges and I don't yeah. really understand where it's at in the time. But anyways, so, but the basic concept is that every decision you make creates an alternate reality, alternate right. alternate timeline, right? And so, and I think that often. So like, even though we made a decision to open this venue when we were, you know, in our mid to late 20s, mm-hmm. Let's say we didn't and we continued on the path we had and we decided to do it now. Like, would we still be successful? I do think we would have been oh, yeah. successful. Would. It just would have been a completely different reality and mm-hmm. a completely different path, yeah. right? And that's why when I look at people and I, they say, like, I couldn't have or I, I wouldn't have been successful. It's like, I think you could have because I think no matter what, you have the drive. If mm-hmm. you have drive and tenacity, like, that's not something that you, like— just gain yeah. like in a year or something. But I think your journey would look very different. It yeah. would have been a very different reality that you're facing right now, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. I thought that was super interesting. But um, I really loved her talking about finding finding her voice mm-hmm. and like, you know, recognizing when she was talking about like the realtor and like filling out SBA stuff and her saying like, I could do this mm-hmm. and this can happen and like kind of pushing that imposter syndrome down and, you know, making it happen. Which reminded me of our great SBA story. I think I know what you're talking about. It's about the brown spots. It's about the brown okay. spots. Yeah. Like when we had, oh, I know, so frustrating. but I think sometimes I think back and like, I dismiss all the things like, oh, mm-hmm. we got that SBA loan or, mm-hmm. oh, we did this. And then, oh, we got that. And I brought to this step and this step and this step. And this was like really like super critical. Mm-hmm. Like we were already, we were already under construction, under construction. Yes. did not have the loan to pay for it yet. Right. But we're trying to figure out. So, well, let's, let's back up. This is not the initial phase. This, oh, yes. This is the second phase. This is like, this is 2019. 19. So this is January of 2020. Right, because we we broke ground in November. This was December of two thousand and twenty. Okay, it was right, yeah, right before yeah. Christmas. Okay, um, so we broke ground and we had paid our contractor with just excess cash we had because we were being told that this loan was going to go through, loan was going to go through, loan was going to go through, and we the point it came up that he said he needed his next payment and we were out of cash. Yes, and I we contacted SBA and they're like, oh, it didn't get approved this round because because there was. Where our, the Bradford is, there was a chemical materials plant, like yeah, across the street. across the street, like acres, acres back. Yeah. And apparently, in sometime in the decades that they ran, they had some sort of runoff situation, mm-hmm. and there was an environmental issue where they said that it was a in a brown spot, right. basically, right. like or it wasn't possibly pollution could have been there, could have polluted the and groundwater, etc. We, et we knew about it. We yeah, we about, we knew when we bought it, but it was, but we they test our water every year. Right, for it. right. So it wasn't it's necessarily well monitored. Right, right. It wasn't necessarily an issue, mm-hmm. and they wanted to have these people come out. Yeah, and that test was going to test it, which would have been fine. It would have cost money, and which wasn't the issue at the time. But it was time. It's they like were like six, six weeks or, weeks or yeah, something, and, and we're, we're like, like, oh my god, no. we cannot do this. We have people that are supposed to get married here in February or March or yeah. whatever it was, and like we're on the clock. And I just started digging, like literally digging, like calling the county. And they would send me to somewhere else, and they'd call, 
call this person in downtown Raleigh. They send me to somewhere else, call this person and whatever. And like finally, like after like days of like excavating all of this, I found this plot that showed where the official plume was and how it avoided our particular lot, like that we were getting refinanced or whatnot, and submitted it. And they, the SBA guy was like, I cannot believe that you have this. Yeah, that like like, you found it. That yeah. you found it. And I was like, I was not going to be deterred. Like, we had to get this loan. This had to be done. Right. There had to be some sort of workaround. I was not going to accept that this was the only way. <laughs> right. And it was like this amazing moment of yeah. like, oh, okay. We're going to go because through then, now. Because then they approved it. Right. And then we were approved. And then that we think we closed a week later and it was crazy. It was crazy. It was literally crazy. Yeah. But it was like the craziest thing. Mm-hmm. But I didn't even think about that. Like mm-hmm. and after that, I mean, it was, you know, a high for a moment, but then like back to the grindstone and let's keep figuring this out. But just talking about that, like how much tenacity and persistence mm-hmm. just to even be able to get through that step. Right. So. Right. All right. Um, business. Uh, so kind of my best business takeaway is I liked how she talked about sometimes looking outside your direct industry, mm-hmm. like the not the not obvious hire can be the best choice for your business. And mm-hmm. I liked her point that because they're a little less jaded, right? Because mm-hmm. they don't have like all this experience and yeah. they're not bringing that kind of negativity to the team. And I think that's so true. We, I mean, we wholeheartedly embrace that. Yeah. Like several of our best hires have been outside of Events. Of events. Mm-hmm. We have had some in events that are also sure. good hires, but those people like Hannah, who mm-hmm. like came from customer service and retail Maggie. and Maggie. It's a random Yeah, job. she came from, I think, recruiting, but I'm not 100% yeah. sure. We, yeah, we recruit a lot of teachers. Teachers, yeah, yeah. I think they have great skills that yeah. translate well. So I thought that was good business advice is to kind of right. look outside your industry and, and hire for the person, not the skill. Well, yeah, because but that's service. I mean, the service industry is not mentally hard. Like, it's just yeah. not. It's not a mentally hard job. Like, you don't need to have a doctorate to plan an event or to yeah. run a space or anything like that. What is hard, and I tell this, I'm, we're literally in the middle of hiring another Bradford person, and I have all these people, like, they get on, they're like, they try to justify why they apply. Like, I, I plan this event, I plan that, that event. I'm like, I don't care what events you plan. It has nothing mm-hmm. to do with the job. Like, because it's trainable. The job is so trainable. It's not hard. It's yeah. not a hard job. There's so many SOPs in place. Right. You just got to fall in line. <laughs> That's right. You just need a good rule follower. Mm-hmm. But really what is hard is having the correct disposition, mm-hmm. being hospitable to everybody, not putting your not putting your personal beliefs in front of yeah. your client, right? And being a kind and honest human. That is a hard skill for a lot yeah. of people. And that's what I'm looking for. Like, I'm, that's what I'm searching that, you know, and you'll fit in fine with the company. Like, right. you'll learn the skill. I'm not worried about it, you know. But I, I do love that. It's advice. a great piece of advice. Yeah. I, for business, I thought this was really, really helpful. And it kind of got me thinking about some things. When she said people need to see their own market value. And she was talking about it in reference why, from her old boss, how they never gave counteroffers mm-hmm. because it made them feel like, oh, well, now you finally see what I'm worth and that you weren't, you didn't value them before. Yeah. And that's really not the truth of it. And I've never thought of it that way. I've always thought of it like, oh, I don't want to lose you. Like, what do you need? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and, but I can see as a employee how they make you feel like, could have asked for this all along. Like you, mm-hmm. you were willing to pay this for me all along. And you just never did. Like you held yeah. out on me. Like that trust would be kind of broken. Yeah, a little bit, you know. And I thought that was super interesting to think through that. Like, I don't yeah, know. I see, it, I see it from both sides. 
I think it is important that people, you know, know their market value and they feel valued at work. So I think they make more productive employees and happy employees and the longevity is there. But then at the same time, I think some people think they're worth too much. Well, sure. So there's, so there's, so there's certain employees for sure that so if an employee, an employee came to me and said, I want to raise, right. And yeah. I, and I think I should get paid X amount. To me, there needs to be a justification. Right. Why do you feel like you need to get paid that much? Like why, like where, where is this extra work coming in that you feel like that is? And sometimes they'll make a case for it, right? Yeah. And sometimes they won't. But to me, if it's going to make them walk, then I'm okay with that because it's it's not because I don't think they're worth that. And maybe that is actually the truth. I don't know. But like I never hold back on my employees. Like I don't hold back and say, like, I'm gonna put you here. Yeah, I really think you could be $10,000 extra, but I want room to grow for it. Mm -hmm. For me, it's finding spaces. Like, how can they grow with your company logically? So there's, which a lot of times, it's hard. It's it's hard because there's a certain cap that your business brings in. Right. right, And can handle. And sure, you can create, like, you can raise prices, which then if they're working on commissions, that's a natural raise, Mm -hmm. right? But when you're talking about base salary, we're never going to book more than 130 events in a year. Yeah. We're never going to do it. Like, we've hit the cap, right? Mm-hmm. We've hit the max at yeah. this point. You know, where it was very different. We hired in 2020 to 2022. In 2020, we did, or t- we were supposed to only do 75, mm-hmm. right? And so now we're doing 130. So, like, yeah, that makes sense. You need to get a better base raise because you're right. doing more work. But, like, I don't know. So, it's it's really, really, really hard. And as being married to somebody that's in corporate, Every year, he at least gets a living wage or a, a cost of living salary. Yeah. Like, there's few years he would get huge bumps mm-hmm. based on projects he worked on or whatnot. But every year, he got that, you know, 4%. He was so grateful for it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes for us, it's like, they're like, because we were so used to getting these big bumps, like, well, why didn't I get an extra five? Mm-hmm. Why, why is it this, like, very calculated 3.75 cost of living yeah. raise? And like, cause that's, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I know. I don't know. I, I struggle. I struggle with it because I, I don't want anyone to ever feel like I don't value them. And I yeah. know that there are certain people that find value in recognition and appreciation, and some people find value in what I pay them. And yeah. to me, it's like, how can I find ways for you to create your own salary? Which is why I love for a lot of our employees, it's a base with a commission because mm-hmm. if you're bringing in more money to me, money. then you should make some of that yeah. money. Right? Right. That's 100% true. Yeah. I'm not holding out on you. Yeah. But you have to hustle it. Yeah. To do it, you know? I totally agree. I mean, I I mean, I definitely think it's tricky. Like, that's a tr- especially starting at a, yeah. starting something up. It's hard to get, you know, good qualified people in there that you want to be there, but that also that you can afford to pay because there also is like that cap and you don't want anyone working for you that feels like they're not being paid their value because that makes for bad culture, bad job right. performance, all those things. So it's definitely like a tricky thing, I think. I think it's hard when you have lifers. Yeah. Because when like, you where bring— where do you go? <laughs> where do you go with that? And I, and I think, you know, for us it's expanding and whatnot. But um, it's interesting when you bring new people on how it's not just about the paycheck that you're giving mm-hmm. them, right? It's about the culture that's coming alongside of it. It's about how much freedom and flexibility they have that they didn't have in their last job. And so a lot of times you hire a new person, and especially someone who had a very negative experience before, they're just like, oh, my God, like maybe it's not exactly the salary I want, but like 
I have so much free time. Yeah. Like I get off, they get off work at three o'clock every single day. I know. They work from nine to three every single day, four days a week. Yeah. Like we are embodying the 30-hour work week mm-hmm. fully and wholly, right? Mm-hmm. You have so much freedom. And to me, it's like, what is the value? Do you want to get paid more than work more? Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. take on some more roles to do some more things. Or do you want to get paid a fair salary and have all the freedom in the world, basically? Right. You know what I yeah. mean? And I think that sometimes when you have people that are in the job for a long time, they forget it. They for- you have to remind you, them. And you have to remind them. You have yeah. to remind them like, hey, can we can we like reevaluate this over here and take a look at what and this I looks think, like? And I think you have to have people that can be honest too with themselves. Sure. Like, I mean, I recently had this conversation. Someone's asking me about like, well, what about this extra responsibility? And I was like, look, if it we get to, you know, six months in or whatever and you're constantly pulling like 45, 50 hour work weeks, like, let's talk about it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want you working that much. I was like, but can we honestly say you even work 40 hours a week? Mm-hmm. They were like, no. <laughs> I was like, right. So like, yes, you may have this extra responsibility and I appreciate the mental toll of it. Sure. But sure. the actual like hours worked, like it has to make sense at some point. You know right. I mean? But I, and that's, as I'm interviewing people, I tell them, I was like, this isn't a 40 hour a week job. You're getting paid a regular salary. Like it is a 40 hour a week job, but we understand the, the mental load that you carry when you're talking about someone's wedding day, mm-hmm. right? It's a lot. And yeah. so we consider that. So the actual hours that you're working, it's never going to average out to 40 hours a week. Never. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter in high season. You could work a 60-hour work week. In January, you're working a 20-hour work week. Right. It never evens out to 40. Mm-hmm. But I don't need to count your hours. I don't yeah. need to, to say, oh, I'm only going to pay you whatever. I'm going to pay you a fair 40-hour week salary because I understand that there is a certain amount of times you wake up in the middle of the night and you're worried about a client, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm paying you for that mental anguish yeah. <laughs> that, that is consuming your time, right. right? And your day is structured appropriately. We want you to have time to go get your nails done. We want you to go have time on a Monday to just relax by a pool. Mm-hmm. We want you to have the ability to feel refreshed and rejuvenated to take on the stress of this job. And bring your best self to it. 100%. Yeah. But I also can't pay you $100,000 a year to do that. I can't do it. Right. Yeah, I've noticed that once we get to that salary, you really have to earn it and you have to work Mondays and Fridays. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Just joking. Solid point. (laughs) We have working Mondays and Fridays forever. Okay. That was a good one. Okay. Okay. All right. Where do we feel like we messed it up? Well, I feel like we've messed it up. And I can't say we're messing it up right now, but it's where we have had the most struggle with mm-hmm. employees in the past is because we didn't trust them. Yeah. I really loved how she said the most powerful thing that her boss said to her is, I trust you. Yeah. That you know this better than I know it, and I trust you to make the right decision. And I can't – I think it was not until this current team we had that I genuinely felt it where I have honestly looked at them and said, I trust you. Yeah. I don't think I have had that same level of trust yeah. with somebody else. And I and I maybe that's wrong. I think my level of trust has been the same with most of my employees. I just have never communicated it more than like I never really told them I trusted them before. And so it was always shocking when they would yeah. come and be like upset with something like, well, I trust you. Like, at what point did you tell me you trusted me? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? At what point did you show me that you trusted yeah. me? 
And now it's like I'm much more demonstrative with my actions and my words to say that I trust you. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I don't always, but I know they need to hear it. Yeah. Uh, I think that like the pace of business and growth of business necessitates trust. Mm. Like you have to trust to grow, mm-hmm. right? And so like I think that we're at a space in our lives and our business where uh, we have to trust to be able to accomplish all the things that we want to accomplish. And I think that – I think it goes – even deeper than that, like we know that before mm-hmm. we're hiring somebody. So we're hiring for different skills. Like we're looking for different things. Mm-hmm. We're at, and, I, and I think that also like as you've been in business year over year over year, like some of the little things don't matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. Do they make decisions? Like take the Bradford people. Do they make decisions that I wouldn't make all the time? Mm-hmm. Like literally all the time. Is it detrimental to the business? No. No, no, it's not. But I mean, I can think of you know, I can think of several things. I'm sure you can think of several things. You're like, I wouldn't have made that decision. Right. Right. But it's still, it's fine. And I think that that is what trusting somebody really is. Even mm-hmm. though they didn't make the same decision that you would make mm-hmm. or come to the same conclusion, you trust them with that aspect of your business. And it's okay. Like, mm-hmm. you just walk away from that. You know what I mean? Oh, well, yeah. But it's so freeing. Yeah. Like, the other day, they were cleaning out the shed. And Hannah was very particular about where things went. Yeah. Right. She cared greatly about it. And I was just like throwing stuff there in there. She was like, I don't want that to go there. And I was like, okay. Care where it goes. Cool. You know, and it wasn't, she wasn't aggressive about it, but she was just like, I want to be able to keep it clean. Mm -hmm. And I want it to make sense. And this is, we've worked these events, we've worked all these things, and it doesn't make sense to have this in here. It doesn't make sense to have this just going to make it junky. It's just Mm going to get whatever. And like, we need better organization for this. And like, and things that how I organized originally is not how she organized it, which yeah. is totally fine. But she owns that space. I mean, yeah. she's the one that does it. But it's, it was so freeing. I was like, cool, where do you want me to put it? Mm-hmm. You tell me what to do. And yeah. I will help you. And I'll tell you. Um, the only thing she needed me there was like, what can I throw away? Like, I'm yeah. allowed to throw this in the garbage, basically. And I love that. Like, there is something about, like, not worrying about the shed mm-hmm. that we worried about for many years. Yeah. Like, Right, yeah. Many years. The inventory closet I worried about all the time. Yeah, like, and I'm sure it looks nothing like how you would do it. Totally. But that's totally fine. Yeah. I I had this recently with the C&D girls where we're trying to streamline our documentation process because there's like multiple spreadsheets and trying to combine them into one and kind of like thinking through. And uh, there is question as to where we should put this line item in 2024. Should we put it in 2023? And then... I was like, listen, it's all about how your brain thinks about it. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you have to make a table of, like, two different things and add them together. If your brain thinks that should be in 2024 column on this particular, then put it there. Like, mm-hmm. this is kind of like a, a framework, but it has to make sense to you because right. you're the one using it. But this it. is information we need to get out of Right, it. right. But just because that's how our brain thought when we created it doesn't necessarily mean that's the most efficient and best way for you. Right. We still need this information. It can look differently. Right. You know, and still come to the same result. Right. So I think just, you know, which is fine. Like, make it make sense for you, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that that's uh, super freeing. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. All right. Well, great episode. I know. It was so good. And it's a fun culmination of our, yeah, of our team building. Yes. It's, season. It's really neat talking to someone building a team for the, 
I want to say she's building for the first time, but like in a new business, building a team. And I'm yeah. actually really curious in a year how she feels like it's all going. I'm sure it's going to be great. She seems like such a down to earth, yeah. great boss. She I'm does. sure she's going to be so successful. I agree. Um, for sure. But go check it out if you're local in St. Carrie. Yeah. Resting oh, bitch face. Yeah. Wine bar. RBF. Mm-hmm. Thanks, everyone, for gathering with us today to talk about team building. To learn more about RBF, you can visit rbf.wine or follow at showmeyourrbf on Instagram. And to learn more about our hustles, visit us on the gram at CND Events, at the Bradford NC, at Anthem.house, and at Hustle and Gather. And if you're interested in learning more about our speaking, training, or venue consulting, head to our website at hustleandgather.com. And if you love us and you love this show, we'd be more than honored if you left a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of Earfluence. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we'll talk with you next time on Hustle and Gather.